So I want to say uh, good morning again to Sean and Eric visiting us with us today. We're glad they're here, and uh, we appreciate all that, that God is doing in this place, and I appreciate Josie and, and the hard work. I've, you know, Josie is, is on the group chat with the worship team all week. She's always working. She's always looking at songs and, and the opportunities um, you know, to make this experience as much about Jesus as possible. So when she shares something like that, uh, I know it's from her heart. I know that she is truly seeking God and pursuing Him, and uh, I like to think that's what kind of uh, separates us a little bit, is that we're not just all about the presentation, uh, we truly are about God here. And uh, people ask us, well, what kind of church are you? And I, my answer, I, the answer I like to give is this, uh, we are kind of the best of the traditional church and the best of the modern church all mushed together. Um, sometimes we're a little more traditional, sometimes we're a little more modern, and sometimes we're right in between. But I think if we keep our eyes on Jesus, He allows all of that to happen. And, and I want us to think about that because when, when Jesus came, we, we need to understand the, the context and uh, the nature of what He encountered when He was here. Um, I taught a, a ninth grade Bible class for uh, a couple of years and um, in that class, uh, we would get to, we would start in Genesis, but we'd work our way in, in the second half of the year to the New Testament. And, and we would normally start in the, in the book of Matthew, and we'd kind of walk through that. And as we did, um, I would kind of paint the picture for them of what Jesus encountered, what was there for Jesus, and what he encountered. And what we have to understand, when we look at Scripture, we have to understand that the people were oppressed. We have to understand that the people had, had really no spiritual guidance for, for years since the prophet Malachi. There really had not been a voice from God to the people. There had been no healings. There had been no manifestations of God. There had been nothing God done on earth at all, right? And, and what had happened in that period is the religious leaders had, had become zealots. They had become so passionate and so engrossed at what they wanted and how they interpreted and how they had formed and fashioned it over the years that in doing all of that, they had largely left the people out. It became about them and their stature. It became about them and their tradition. It became about who they were and what they were doing. And God had gotten pushed further and further away. And so you have the people who were out here and they were required to show up um, on Sabbath. They were required to show up to the synagogue and they kept tabs on that and everything. And, the, and they showed up and, and they got a really lukewarm level uh, of presentation because, again, it was all about the leaders and not about God. And, and what happened is the people grew estranged. They grew away. They got pushed away. And they saw no benefit from what was being given to them and what was being presented to them in, at all. And, and so they were hurting they were frustrated, they were angry, um, they were diseased. All of these things had taken place because man had stepped away from God. Man had gotten focused on all these things. And so when, when Josie says what she says this morning, I'm thinking to myself, man, that's pretty spot on with the message. Because for us to understand the New Testament, for us to understand the work of Jesus Christ on earth when he was here, we have to understand what he, what he encountered. We have to understand who we encountered. We have to understand the thought process that was going on in people's minds when he got there. 
right? It's easy for us to sit back and look at it as we are and, and think this and think that and believe this and believe that, but for us to really understand the message of Christ, we have to put ourselves in their place. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think we're that far away. I think in our land and in our country, we're not that far away from where they were in that day. We are so focused on, on so many different things, and, and we are so encumbered with so many different things. We are so burdened, and we are so frustrated, we're so easily angered, and we're so... All of these things, I mean, our emotions are at a, at a, at a tilting point in, in our world today. Not just our country, not just our community, but in our world today, we're at a tilting point. You, you can't even make a comment uh, on ESPN about a basketball player without people rawr, going crazy at you, right? To, to the point that I'm just kind of like, you know what, if I'm not loving my friends and my family and my church on Facebook, I'm pretty much done, right? Because everyone just wants to be, you know, a social warrior and attack everything and, and, and this and that and the other. And so what if I think Michael Jordan's the GOAT? You can think whoever you want. Yeah, get some applause on that. Right? You can think whoever you want to go. I don't care. That's your opinion. You're entitled to it. I'm okay with that. But why are you not okay that I think Michael Jordan? It's crazy. It's crazy. And, and we are in, a, in an abyss of, of emotion. And we're in an abyss of, of not understanding our need of God. And I don't think we're that far different than the people were in the day of Jesus. When Jesus came, he encountered people who had not had any type of exposure or relationship to the true God in almost 400 years. They were depraved. They were hurt, they were angry, they were all of those emotions that I said before and probably a whole lot more that I haven't even been able to think of. And so what we see is we see that Jesus came... And he stepped outside of the tradition. He stepped outside of the law, or at least the law as it was being presented. We see that he moved again and again and again to a point and a place where, again, man was now put first. We come to a point and a place where we see that now people were starting to matter to God again. We come to a point and a place where we see that again You and I were the most important things to Jesus. And what we see happen is we see that people who were far off and far away begin to flock to him. They begin to flock to him. Why? Because they all of a sudden mattered again. They all of a sudden had someone with authority, someone with spiritual leadership, someone with the capabilities of God to present something to their life that was meaningful and that was impactful and that was going to make a difference. Whether it was healing a leper on the side of the road, whether it was walking into uh, uh, the courtrooms of the tabernacle and turning over tables, whatever it is, Jesus was now here and Jesus was able to do something that impacted people's lives. And they began to flock to him. They began to flock to him. And, and as a church, if we're not impacting lives, what are we really here for? Right? And, and, and yeah, it's, it's good to, to do things in the community. It's good to feed the poor and, and, and the needy. And it's, it's good to do all of these things and this and that and the other. But friend, that is, that is a means to an end. That is a means to get to the message. That is a means to tell the story of Jesus and why Jesus matters and why Jesus is important. 
And if we are failing on that, then we're failing on the main purpose of the church. We're failing on the purpose of why we're here. And, and that is why it's so important for us to focus on the story of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you this morning out of, out of Luke chapter 5. And it starts at, at verse 15 this morning. And I'm not sure exactly where all we'll go with this. Um, but there's several points that, that we want to make from it this morning. Luke 5, 15 says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, talking of Jesus. This is after he had healed the leper on the side of the road. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judah and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. You got that right. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed of man, of a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Right? So let's stop there for a minute and, and let's break this down and, and think about it. All of a sudden, now we're not very far into the Gospels, right? I mean, just for, for context purposes, let's understand that we're just at the fifth chapter of Luke. There's a whole lot of stuff to come. Right? So we're at that early stage of Jesus' ministry here upon the earth. And we're at that stage where people are talking about him and people are flocking to him and people are interested in what he wants to do in their lives. Right? And so now we see that Jesus is in a place where they are all gathered around him. All right? People who believe and people who want and people who need what he's bringing. Right? But then there's also those who are there kind of with that arm-folded mentality of, well, let's just see if he's all he's supposed to be. Right? And, and started lining him up to themselves, which is kind of laughable when you think about it. Right? A whole lot of rulers and a whole lot of, of people who had position, right? They had position in the world, but they didn't have position with God. Oh, you're not hearing me. Huh? They had position in the world. They had knowledge. They had capabilities based upon their earthly knowledge. They understood the law. They understood how to practice the law. They understood what the law meant, but they had no position with God. They could exercise what was on paper, but they had no means of exercising what was in the spirit realm. They had no means of communicating with God. And friend, I'm going to tell you this. Right? And, and, and this is going to seem like I'm meddling, but, but I, I tell you this in love because I want you to understand it. If you don't have a solid prayer life, and if you don't have a solid means of getting into your closet and getting into touch with God, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. And so we, we are in a place where we are called to pursue the things of God, pursue the person of God, and allow, and allow that truth and allow that ability to move and work in our lives, right? Now, that doesn't mean that day one you're going to be this great miracle worker or anything else like that. I'm not going to be that guy that throws all that down on you, 
right? But what I do want you to understand is God wants you to move beyond just knowing to experiencing, realizing, and telling people about it, right? Telling people about Jesus, right? And let's all, let's all think about ourselves down through the week. How much do we do that? How much do we tell about Jesus? How much do we make his goals our goals? How much do we make his ministry our ministry? How much do we make his need and desire to save the lost our need and our desire? Right? You see, that's why people were drawn to Jesus, and that's why people will be drawn to a church. Amen? And, and those who are being drawn because of worldly things will waste away and go away. But if we're not presenting Jesus with a power and authority that is first over our lives and then offered to them over their lives, friend, they're not going to want what you're selling. They're not going to want it because it has no power beyond this earth. Right? And so I'm inviting you to a place where you are seeing Jesus as he is and you're seeing Jesus as he was back in his day when he walked this earth. He wasn't looking to please man. He wasn't looking to, to do the things that edified the current culture. He was looking to do the things that drew men and drew people into the presence of God. And you see, that's why it made a difference. That's why there was an opportunity for him to change lives. He had to change lives because people's lives had been so absent and been so far away from God. So how did that happen? How did it happen that here uh, on a Friday night, I don't know what night it was, but let's say it was Friday night. Here on a Friday night, right, when there was a whole lot of other things to do, Jesus is in this house and, and he's talking about God and he's talking about the goodness of God and everyone shows up and everyone starts doing amazing things. It says that the power of God was in the house. In Mark, it says that God was in the house. Amen? How many times do we come and we talk about everything else but God being in the house? Huh? How many times do we want to see a move from God? How many times do we want God to perform a work in our marriage? How many times do we want God to perform a work in the hospital? How many times do we want God to do the amazing which is within His hand, but we never really come to a place and a power of where God is in the house moving and working because we never really invite Him there. We never really bring ourselves into His presence seeking Him to make a difference. And friend, I think that is when we, when we look at the Easter story and we look at everything that, that, that's going to happen leading up to the cross and we look at everything that goes on, we need to understand and see that Jesus was bringing God to people. Jesus was bringing deliverance to people. God was, Jesus was bringing healing to people. Why? Because he was bringing them back to God. And what it says to me is this. As a church today, what it says to me is God's intention was never what the Pharisees and zealots were throwing down. The goal of the church, the goal of the temple was never ever what was being thrown down back then. And it's still not, it's still not God's intention today. Right? What the fact Jesus' ministry says to me is that Jesus came to set people free. And if all we're doing is binding people up with a bunch of garbage and a bunch of hullabaloo, then we're not doing God's work. 
We're not doing God's work and we're called to something bigger and we're called to something better. And so we're now in a place where we see that because of this ministry, because of this new fangled way of doing God, people are talking. People are talking, right? What did it say there in verse 5 when I first started reading that? Chapter, verse 5, chapter, or verse 15, chapter 5, it says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. Went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came to hear. What does that say to you? I'll tell you what it says to me. People were talking about him. People were talking about him. People were telling the story. People went home from what happened on the side of the road with the leper and said, You're not going to believe this. Not only did he heal him, but he touched him. Right? And the Pharisees lost their mind. Right? People are talking because now they're starting to see the distinction between what religion is and what God is. People were starting to see, wait a minute, maybe there is something more to us just showing up and pleasing the masters. Right? And friends, I'm going to tell you what. If your church becomes slaved to you, then God's not in the, in the center of it. Right? If church is slavery in any realm, God is not in the center of it because God came to set the captive what? Free. Free indeed. Amen? He came to set us free and He came to work in our life a power and an authority that would move us into the realm of God. Right? And if we're, if we're under anything or if we're subject to anything that now confines us to man or confines us to man's thinking outside of God, that's slavery, friend. That's not heaven. Are you with me? So what we have to understand is people started feeling it. People started feeling it. People started experiencing it. People began to see God like they had never seen God before. Keep in mind, if Malachi was the last guy, right, 400 years later, everybody experiencing Jesus Christ was relying on the, on the, on the tradition and, and on the stories that were being told of Malachi and, and of everything back then. No one had experienced anything other than what was being thrown down by the religious leaders. Right? So they were in a place where they, they only knew what they had been told. And how sad, how sad when we have an opportunity to tell about the goodness and the, and the power and the love of God that we tell about a whole bunch of other stuff that really he could care less about. Right? When, when we make this about a whole bunch of stuff that he's not interested in and doesn't really care about, how sad is that? And so now, now Jesus is doing God things in front of people who had never seen it, never experienced it, and they're talking, man. They're talking. And understand this. Today, people are searching for that. People are looking, just like they were back then, people are looking for someone that gives them an experience with God. Not an experience with, just like Josie said this morning, not an experience with worship, not an experience with a, a singer, not an experience with a guitar player, not an experience with a, of a wonderful speaker. Amen, you wouldn't be here if that's what it was for, right? But, but understand, we're, looking, we're not looking for an experience. Sometimes that feeds us in a moment, 
Sometimes that, that, that gratifies our flesh in a moment and we feel good for a few minutes and then it goes away. That's why it's not what God is about. What God is about is an experience that you have because a bunch of people came together in one mind and one accord and pointed you to Him. So what does that say to the church? It says we need to be telling the story. It means we need to be telling the story. We need to be talking about Jesus. We need to quit talking about all the stupid stuff and we need to start talking about Jesus. We need to start talking about how a bunch of guys brought their friend who was dying that they loved and that they cared about and they tore off a roof and set him into the midst of Jesus. Amen? That's, I don't know about you, that's the kind of friends I want. I want a friend that's going to break down walls and tear down doors to get me to Jesus. Amen. I want someone who cares about me that much that, amen, we're not going to cloud of smoke everything else. We're going to focus on Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to be surrounded by that. I want to be surrounded by people with vision, by people with hope, and people who are all about setting people free. Amen. Because that's where we're called to. That's where we're called to. And we can talk a million different things, friend, but I am going to take you back to the point and the purpose of Jesus Christ. It wasn't to create. It wasn't to create sinners. It was to set sinners free. What do I mean by creating sinners? Well, of course it's not creating sinners. But man, when we're, when we're living our life like this, when we're living our life condemning and judging and, and measuring everybody up and everything else, we're creating sinners is what we're doing. What we need to be doing is we need to be pointing out to sinners that there is a man who hung on a cross who will set them free. Right? Here's the power of this story. The power of this story is about friendship and faith. And we need to get that. If you don't leave here with anything else today, I want you to understand that we need good friends. I want you to understand that we need friends that are constantly going to point us to Jesus and not the other stuff. I want you to understand that people were seeing what Jesus was doing and realizing that Jesus was bringing down something that they had never felt and never experienced before. And they were telling the story as it happened. Amen? That's, that's how crowds, like what we read about, Come, come to place, right? If people were going home from that and saying, eh, yeah, this, this guy, you know, crazy hair, beard, and everything else, he walked over and, you know, he, he, he just touched the leper and he was healed and everything else. If, if that's how they treated Jesus, amen, I don't think there would have been a big crowd here that day, right? But no, people were excited. People, people were freaking out, Brian. People were crazy. They were going back and saying, you're not going to believe it. There was this guy, there was this guy, this prophet, this, this teacher, this master. I'm not even sure what he is, but man, he loved us. When he looked at us, he didn't look at us in scorn. He didn't look at us with rage. He didn't talk down to us. But he, 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 he talked like he loved us. He, talk, he talked like he cared about us. He talked like we were important. And then, you're, and then, and then if that wasn't enough, you're not going to believe it. He went and he touched the leper. Touched him. I mean, he touched the leper. Right? People were telling the story. So what happened? Everyone's like, ooh. Huh? Oh, what is this? This might be worth seeing. This might be worth hearing. This might, this might be worth experiencing. So what did they do? They found out, oh, he's going to be at so-and-so's house on Friday night. What are they doing? Right? 
They filled the place. They filled the place. Why? Because they were hungry. They were hungry. They were hurting. They wanted something more than what they had been given. And they wanted Jesus to do a work in their life. They wanted wanted Jesus to minister freedom and deliverance into them. And the Bible says, Mark chapter 2 says, God was in the house. Here, Here in Luke it tells us that the power to heal them was there. Right? So Mark chapter 2, God was in the house, right? We know that in the form of Jesus Christ. Here in Luke chapter 5, the power to heal them was there. What do we need healed of? We need healed of our sin and we need healed of our separation from God. Right? Just like we talked about the leper a few times to you, amen? The, 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 The purpose and the issue wasn't the leprosy. Right? Jesus held that in the palm of his hand. He had power and authority over that at any, in any juncture. Why did he touch the guy? He touched the guy because he wanted to deliver him. He wanted to set him free. Right? So now we're in a place where we see that God is in the house and that the power to heal man was there. The power to heal man and set man free was there. Set them free of what? Set them free of everything. Set them free of everything that creates enmity and creates division and creates separation between them and God. The power was there. And friend, if we're not praying about our church services and if we're not praying about what God's going to do in this place and how God's going to move and how God's going to set people free, we're failing in a big way. Amen? I hope I'm not the only one doing it. Amen? All week long praying that God is going to move in this place in a big way and walks through the door excited and pumped up because I know God is in the house. And I'm not going to be throttled by stuff. Right? So I need to be focused on Him and I need need to be expecting Him to do big things. I need to be ready to clap my hands when He does it. I need to be ready to stomp my feet when He does it. I need to be ready to throw my hands up when He does it. Expecting and looking for Him to make a difference. Right? People came with that mindset. Why? Because they were telling the story. They were talking about Jesus. They were saying that He did this and He did this. And they were saying, man, the rulers, man, we haven't been feeling anything like this from them in our whole lifetime. And now, man, I'm, I'm excited. Now I'm, I'm, I'm filled up. Now I'm believing that, that things can happen that I've only heard about. That I've only read about. Maybe, maybe Jesus is, is the guy we've been promised. You see, they're talking about him. They're telling his story. And it affected, it affected a few guys. It affected a few guys. There's a few guys that I, I imagine were just tore up because their buddy was, was going to die. Sick of the palsy, all messed up, writhing pain, amen, basically confined to a bed, a couch, whatever you want to call it, and, and everything else. And, and they were worried. And, and they began to hear about everything that Jesus had been doing. And so they start talking to each other. I imagine it kind of went something like this. Hey, Mark, you hear this Jesus guy? You hear what he's doing? You hear the things that he's saying? They say he did this. They say he did that. What if, what if we could help? What, what if we could help our buddy Joe out and, and get Joe to, to this guy? And, and because I tell Mark, Mark starts to get excited. Yeah, that's right. I heard they said this about Jesus. I heard they said that about Jesus and everything else. So Mark goes to Sam and says, hey, Sam, 
hey, Sam, Jay and I were talking, and, and we're talking about this Jesus guy and, and how he's healing people and how he's delivering people and, and how all of these exciting things are, are happening and everything else. Now Sam's excited, and, and Sam goes, goes running to Ian and says, hey, Ian, you know, there, there's this Jesus guy going around. Have you heard about him? And Ian's like, well, I've heard, I've heard this, I've heard that, and everything else. Well, look, he did this, and he did this. He touched the leper, and, and, he, and he delivered these people, and, and he's doing this and, and everything. And, and, man, things are happening because of this guy. Now Ian's excited. So now what? There's four of us. There's four of us who are going to take Joe and carry him to where Jesus is, believing in what we've heard believing in the power and the things that we have seen or heard in the community about Jesus. And so we're taking our pal to Jesus. We're taking him to be, to be set free. We're taking him to be delivered because now we've heard the story. And not only have we heard the story, we've told the story. And now we're believing. And now we're living. And now we're excited. And now we're walking and choosing to be in his presence because of what we've heard. And so we carry that bed and now we see that the crowd is there and we can't get through it. We can't fight through. There's too many other people wanting to see Jesus and we choose in our heart of hearts that we will not be deterred. And so we climb up on the roof and we start to tear off the roof. Now what do you think happens? If you go to someone's house that you don't know and you start tearing off the roof, what do you think is going to happen? Right? Right? Captain Young's probably going to pull up with his lights on, right? Huh? He's probably going to pull up with his lights on. I, I believe someone probably came out there and said, what are you doing? So well, we're, we're getting this guy to Jesus. Well, you can't do that. I, I mean, I believe this, okay? That's, Bible's not going to support me, but I, I just happen to believe they're just not going to let you tear a roof off as if it's an everyday thing, right? So they're tearing the roof off and someone comes out to stop them. So what do they do? They tell their story. The people that come out the sun and say, well, you don't understand. Our buddy's going to die, and I've heard Jesus does this. I've heard Jesus has done that. I've heard Jesus will say, and I believe that Jesus is going to set him free. They start talking about Jesus to whoever comes to stop him and throttle him and slow him down. They start talking about Jesus, and guess what? The power of God shows up, and this guy's like, well, okay, let me help you. Right? If we want... If we want to spread Jesus Christ, if we want to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ, we got to start telling the story, right? you got to start talk, stop talking about me, stop talking about yourself, stop talking about what happened 50 years ago, stop talking about this, stop talking about that, and just start talking about Jesus. Amen? Just start talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, just start telling people how He will set them free. And stuff, stuff will happen. Stuff will follow. So they tear that roof off, telling everyone they have to tell along the way about what Jesus is doing. They lower the guy in. I believe Jesus was in the know the whole time, right? It's Jesus, he's God, right? He knew what was happening up on the roof, right? Sets the guy in, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't act surprised, he doesn't act blown away, he doesn't knock him off his rocker. Well, this wasn't what I had lined out. This isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't what my forefathers said. Everything? No, Jesus is like, cool, man. 
I, I believe it. I believe Jesus is like, all right, right? Sometimes, sometimes when people go to the extreme to promote Jesus Christ and to get people's attention with Jesus Christ, not self-promotion, okay? Not self-promotion. But when, when people go to extremes to, to present and deliver Jesus Christ, man, some amazing things happen and people start to see and tell the story about what happens. And so Jesus looks at him. Jesus looks at him and he says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? Let me read it to you, just so you don't think it's me. Let me, let me read it to you. It's probably up there, but I, I do better here because I know where it is here. <clears throat> and when he saw, there, verse 20, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins be forgiven. This is, this is a game changer. This verse is a game changer. When he saw their faith, he said, thy sins are forgiven. We are so much about form and fashion that sometimes we miss moments like this in Scripture. There is nothing said about the man to come to an altar. There's nothing said about the man that he had to go through a certain routine or certain tradition. There was nothing said about the man. Maybe he was invalid. I don't, I don't know exactly his physical condition. There was nothing said about the man saying a word to Jesus. He was completely reliant on his friends. And his friends went above and beyond to get him to Jesus. And Jesus looks at them and says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. I don't know about you, but I want to be surrounded by guys like that. I want to be surrounded by guys that are so consumed with Jesus Christ, so consumed with His story, so busy talking to people about who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing and where Jesus is going to go and how Jesus is going to set the captives free. People so consumed in faith of Jesus Christ that Jesus looks at their friends and says, man, your sins are forgiven because of them. Now, if there was never a call to tell the story of Jesus, that call comes right here. Think about that. How many of you have, how many of you have loved ones? That if they die today, they die and go to hell. How many of you have friends that if they died today, would die and go to hell? How many of you have neighbors that if they died today, they would die and go to hell? How many of you look across this place and have friends and people that if they died, they would die and go to hell. Luke chapter 5 tells us, and there's other places too, and we're going to get to that in the next few weeks, but Luke chapter 5 tells us right here, right there, that if we live a life of faith, and we live a life directed at the deliverance of Jesus Christ and the people around us, 
that His power will be in the house to heal them and He will forgive them of their sins. Right? What does that mean? It means that we can influence the people around us to the point and the place that they desire Jesus enough that Jesus will look at them and say, your sins are forgiven. I'm not making this up. Right? There's a lot of you who, who got real quiet on me and you're back there and you're flipping up the scriptures on me. And that's okay. That's okay. Because I just read it to you. I just read it to you. I'm not hiding from it. I just read it to you. Because of their faith, he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, when I read that months ago and that kind of jumped off the page at me, and I've, trust me, I've read this book many times over the years. That jumped off the page of me, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The guy didn't confess his sins. The guy didn't do all of the other things. And, and don't, don't misunderstand me. Yes, we should confess our sins. Yes, I mean, that's Bible too, right? We should confess our sins. Yes, we need to come to God, and we need to come to God in a manner where we're broken and contrite, and we realize we need a Savior in Jesus Christ. But the point is, for us to get to that place, we need surrounded by people. We need to be surrounded by people who are going to tell the story of Jesus, and we're going to buy into it. Right? You've got to buy into the story of Jesus. You've got to believe that Jesus can do it. Amen? And the only way you're going to start to believe that is you're going to believe it because the people around you are talking about it. The people around you are displaying it. The people around you are choosing to present something to you that only God can do. So what this, what this scripture tells me is the guy believed it whether he said it or not. And Jesus recognized it. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Right? Now, the Pharisees didn't like this. Right? Because it affected their stature and it affected their pocketbook. Right? And so immediately, they started thinking in their head, well, that can't be. Who is this guy? Right? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? This isn't how we do it. Exactly. Exactly, right? Aren't you, aren't you glad Jesus came and we don't do it that way anymore? Amen? And Jesus said, why, why do you think these things? Why do you think these things? Why do you reason these things within your heart? Just so you know, and I, 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 just, love, I, I just love this moment with Jesus, just so you know, that it's easier for me to forgive sins than it is to heal. He looks at the guy and he says, pick up your bed and walk. Pick up your bed and be delivered. Pick up your bed and be set free. I forgave your sins. Now I'm delivering you. And friends, there are things in your life Many of you come, come in and in out of church. Many of you come, come in in the right mind and accord and you're excited about Jesus one day and then sometimes you come in and you're struggling and everything else like that because we are easily up and down in this way. People influence our spirit. People influence our minds. And the next thing you know that we could, we could bite the very one's head off that we were loving and embracing the week before. Amen? 
There's no Jesus in that, friend. And what we have to understand through that and by that is we are called to a place of freedom and we are called to a place of deliverance where we are focused on Jesus. When we lose our focus on Jesus, that's how we lose our focus on each other. When we lose our focus on Jesus, that's how we lose our ability to love and lift others like we're called to do. Amen? I believe this, and I believe it more than I've ever believed it in my life. And I've stood in these pulpits for years. I believe wholeheartedly that if there was ever a day and there was ever a time that we need to tell the story of Jesus and forget everything else, it's today. I believe we are called to tell his story. Not tell our story. Not puff ourselves up and think of ourselves to be something when we're nothing, but to tell his story and let it do its job. And its job is to heal and deliver and forgive man. That's what Jesus came to do. He came seeking to save that which was lost. Now, can you imagine the stories they told after this night? What if you had been there? What if you'd been there? And you're standing there, you got a front row seat, everything's cool, you're watching Jesus doing all these amazing things. Next thing you know, you start seeing stuff falling out of the ceiling and you see a guy lowered down. You see Jesus move on his life. And then you see Jesus teach the teachers of what God really is. You get that, right? You see, Jesus teach the teachers of what God really is and who God really is and what God really is about. What do you think you would do? Would you go home like it never happened? Would you, would you go home and, and turn on the TV? Get engrossed in something worldly? I mean, don't, don't misunderstand me. I watch TV, okay? But, but what I'm saying is, how would you react to a moment like this? I would like to think that for me, I, I'd, I'd be walking home and, and my wife and I, we, we'd be talking about what went down. And, and we'd be excited, we'd be encouraged, we'd be lifted by what we saw. And, and I happen to think it would, it would start making a change in who I was. It would start making me desire to walk closer. It would start making me realize that, hey, Man, maybe some of the stuff we've been fed for years isn't what it's really about. Maybe I need to start listening to this Jesus. Maybe I need to start following Jesus. Amen. When he fed the multitudes, how many were there? 5,000 plus women and children, right? 5,000 plus women and children. You think it's safe to say 10,000 plus, right? 10,000 plus? I think it's safe to say, right? Plus or minus, whatever. However we want to context that. How do you think that happened? How do you think a small town guy without Facebook advertising, without television, without business cards, got 10,000 plus people to show up on a hillside one day to minister into their lives? It was because people felt something and told the story. People experienced something bigger than they had for years and they couldn't shut up about it. They told the story. They didn't lose it. They didn't lose it in translation because of this and that and the other. They told the story of Jesus. 
And people got excited and people showed up. People got excited and they showed up. Why? Because they wanted something different than what they'd been getting. Because there was no life in what they'd been getting. There was no freedom in what they had been giving and getting. So they wanted more. They wanted wanted what Jesus was throwing down, as they say today. They wanted what Jesus was offering. So they came. They listened. They followed. They walked away from their homes. They walked away from their businesses. They left everything to hear and see and witness what Jesus did. And Jesus prepared himself, amen, says that he went and he he secluded himself and he got in his closet and he prayed, amen. His disciples couldn't heal because why? Because of prayer and fasting, right? If you're going to heal, if you're going to deliver, if you're going to make a difference in people's lives, you're only going to do it if you make preparation. You're you're not going to do it just by being who you are. Hey, guess what? I prayed about three weeks ago and I believe God's going to work in your life. Amen. You would be shocked how many people get up here. And that's the extent. That's the extent of their power. That's the extent of their experience with God. I'm asking you to do more. I'm asking you to go further. I'm asking you to tap into a resource that is beyond comprehension. A resource that will move in your life and because of the power that floods into your life and into your heart and into your soul, floods into everybody else's. Amen? It will just happen. Because of who he is, if you put the time in. If you put the time in, if you seek him, if you get on your knees and humble yourself to him. Do you know how many times in the course of a week I pray to him and I say, Father, I'm dust. I'm dust. And I get it and I realize it and I I know that, you know, regardless of what you've done or what you're going to do or where we're going or or whatever, I'm, I'm dust. I can't be this. I can't do this without you, and I need to be focused on you, I need to tell your story, I need to embrace you, and I need to help others experience you, not me. Those moments come when you separate yourself with Jesus, and you allow Jesus to come alive and be real in your life. Amen? You walk around in this thing with attitude, and he's he's not going to stop and take time to empower you. He's not going to stop and take time to empower you. I encourage you to get on your knees, pray fast, do the things that he did. Amen? I'm just telling Jesus' story. I'm not beating you up. I'm telling Jesus' story. Jesus got in the closet, man. Jesus got away from everything and everybody and got in the closet and sought the face of God so that he could have moments like this. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. That's what I'm encouraging myself to do. It's where we all need to be and it's what we all need to do and it's how we all need to live and it's how we all need to think. We have time and we have energy for everything else. Sometimes we just don't have enough time and energy for God. We need to tell the story. And we need people to tell us the story. Because our friends, our friends, Luke 5, verse 20, our friends can be delivered because of our faith. Our family can be set free because of our faith. Amen? You don't want to buy into it? Argue with Jesus. Argue with Jesus. Those were his words. Amen. That's that's the anointed word of God. Right? So I'm asking you, as we prepare for Easter, as we work towards, towards the greatest moment and event in history, I'm asking you to start telling the story. 
Start telling people about what Jesus is doing. Start coming in excited, pumped up, and ready because of the preparations you've made to see Jesus do a work in someone's life. And then when you leave here, tell everybody about it. Tell your waitress, tell your, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody you know. Get on Facebook and chat it up. Tell people what Jesus is doing. And he'll do it. He'll keep doing it. And he'll do it again and again and again. We are called to tell the story, friends. And if we tell the story enough, people are going to get excited and tear roofs off houses so their friend can be delivered and their friend can get saved and their friend can be set free. Amen. We are all called to that place. We're all called to that opportunity. But we choose. We choose what story we tell. We choose. We choose what we talk about when we're with our friends that need a dose of Jesus. We decide. This morning, I'm encouraging you, as we lead up to the cross, as we lead up to everything that Jesus has done, I'm going to point out several examples over the next four weeks of where Jesus just did this. And because people talked about him, he did amazing things. Not they, he. Because they talked about him, he did amazing things. This man took up his bed, put it on his shoulders, and walked home. That's worth telling about. Let's stand and sing. I'm
give me faith to trust what you say that you're good and your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life I may be weak but your spirit's strong in me my flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. I may weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. Give me faith to trust what you say. That you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. Oh, give me faith to trust what you say. That you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. I may be weak, your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. Flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. Give me faith to trust what you say. And you're good, and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. Oh, I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, 
But my God, you never win. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never win. If we could just pause for a second, Matt. Matt came and acknowledged his need of Jesus. And in this place, he prayed in his heart for God to do a work in him. Matt, anything you want to say? Huh? No? No? Do you love Jesus? You love Jesus? You believe in the work of the cross of Calvary for your life? Yeah. Amen. Church, come and fellowship with Matt. Amen. Encourage him. Lift him up. Let him know that Jesus is able and that together, together, amen, he can't do this alone. Together, we will walk into the presence of the King. Come and shake his hand. Hug his neck. Let him know that you believe in what Jesus has done here this morning as they play and sing.